Timothy. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Christ Central. I'm really glad you're here. As Timothy said, my name is Daniel. I'm one of the pastors, and uh, it's great to be together. I'm glad you've decided to be with us um, this Sunday morning. Uh, happy 2020. Uh, before jumping in to our sermon this morning, I wanted to make uh, two, one quick announcement, one a little bit lengthier announcement. Uh, this morning, uh, as you can see in your bulletin, I'm preaching Psalm 1. Uh, which is kind of a one-off sermon as we head into this new year. Next week, we're going to begin a a series for the spring in the book of Ecclesiastes that we've titled Chasing Meaning. Uh, And so I'm really excited about getting into Ecclesiastes together. Uh, And so that will begin next week and run through, uh, through May together. The other big announcement that I really wanted to highlight before jumping into our text is our winter conference that's coming up January 24th and 25th. Uh, Hopefully you've seen this as we've been announcing it. Uh, We've titled it Sexuality, Gender, and the Gospel. Uh, This is something that, uh, as a church, we've wanted to engage in with with, for some time now, Uh, really asking the question, how do we as Christians live faithfully in an ever-changing culture around sexuality, gender, gender dysphoria? Uh, It's a topic uh, that I think the church often avoids, but it's one that I think uh, we need to engage uh, with to be shaped as God's people, uh, to, to love the people God's placed around us, to be on his mission into this world uh, that he's put us in. And so our goal, goal is really manifold with this conference. The first is to look at the scriptures and try to understand and bring clarity uh, to scriptural teaching in regards to sexuality and gender. The second is to increase the church's compassion, our compassion toward and awareness of those who are in the LBGDQ community, those who uh, are struggling with gender dysphoria so that we can care well for all, all people, that we might love all people. And that we can, third, create space for Christians to learn and talk about challenging topics together. Uh, Voices can be heard, questions can be addressed, uh, and that we as a church can be encouraged to live faithfully in our culture today. And so I hope you will come January 24th, 25th. It's not going to be here. It's going to be at Trinity United Methodist Church downtown. It's Friday night, Saturday morning. Uh, We're bringing in one of the leading Christian minds and practitioners around this issue, Dr. Mark Yarhouse. Uh, He is the chair and professor of psychology at Wheaton University. He's the director of the Sexual and Gender Identity Institute. He's the author of many books on these issues. Uh, And uh, just as a a kind of a forward, we're not just planning to do this conference and and leave uh, these issues. There's there's a lot here for, I know, a lot of us and for, for most of us as we engage these issues, and so we're planning to do, hopefully, extensive follow-up, meeting individually, meeting in small groups, uh, allowing our youth group to engage this discussion as well. Uh, So I hope you'll plan uh, to to attend January 24th, 25th, uh, this conference that we're putting on. You can go ahead and sign up. Its uh, registration is is live now. Uh, But those are the two things I wanted to personally announce to you. But can y'all believe we're in 2020? It's a new decade, not just a new year, we're in a new decade. Uh, at the beginning of each new year, uh, I said, said this in my email this week, whether we make resolutions or not in the new year, uh, it seems like as the year comes, we're all forced to recalibrate, to examine our lives and, and look back at the past year and dream and hope for the new year, but a new decade. I mean, looking back on the past decade and looking forward to a new decade. I, I was praying this week and was reminded of the old maxim Uh, that people tend to overestimate what can be done in one year and underestimate what can be done in five to ten years. I mean, ten years ago, I was 31, single, I was a campus minister at UNC Chapel Hill, and now I'm married 
three sons, pastoring Christ Central Church, which was non-existent 10 years ago. Uh, and so what does the year ahead look like for you, but what does the decade ahead look like for you? And this morning, we're going to look at Psalm chapter 1. It's a psalm that calls us to journey on a particular way for this year, for the decade, really for our lifetime. And so if you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand as we read Psalm chapter 1 together. This is Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment or sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The prophet Isaiah tells us the grass withers and the flowers fade, but God's word endures forever. Let's pray together. Lord, I ask that you would come now and you'd speak to us that that me as the preacher could get out of the way so that Christ, you might communicate clearly who you are, that we might have ears to hear and hearts that are softened to understand and willing to walk in the truth of who you are. God, I pray that in this time we would encounter the living God, that you would dominate our imaginations, that you would captivate our hearts, and that we would leave here willing to walk with you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can have a seat. Well, last night, uh, my wife and I were sitting on the couch, and she handed me her phone, and it was opened to Sean King's Instagram account. Sean King is a political and social activist, and he had posted uh, a video showing the raising of the red flag over the holy dome of Jamkaran Mosque in Iran. And he saw this video, the red flag, it's never been raised before in Iran. It signifies revenge. It signifies a war is being waged. Retaliation is coming because of the killing of General Soleimani by the United States. I have to be honest, when I saw this video, my heart skipped a beat. The threat of war? Nobody wants war. And I became anxious looking at that flag being raised. Now, maybe you've heard that our age has been dubbed the age of anxiety by many. 24-7 news makes us anxious. An election year makes many of us anxious for political reasons and some of us for financial reasons. Employment is a source of anxiety, either in our search for greater happiness in our work or for greater pay. Finances are a source of anxiety. Many living paycheck to paycheck. Debt that never seems to go away. Wondering, will we be able to save enough to retire? Our families can be sources of anxiety. Relationships with our parents. Marital conflict. Parenting our children. Getting old and age is a source of anxiety. Our health begins to decrease. The fear of becoming isolated and alone. We live with anxiety. We live in an anxious world. So what do we do 
with our anxiety. Do you know what gift has exploded over the last two years? The weighted blanket. Any of you get a, the weighted blanket for Christmas? I bet some people did. Some people got the weighted ba- blanket. It, it's become a very popular gift to give. But do you know that it was originally created to help people with autism and those suffering from PTSD? And now it is one of the most popular gifts to give. Do you know another product that's exploded in the past few years? People are, are buying it like hotcakes. It's everywhere, I promise. If once I tell you, you're going to see it everywhere. CBD. Cannabidol. It's a non-psychotropic marijuana. And anything from dog treats to oils to bath salts are being made out of CBD. The CBD startup founder was quoted in the New York Times as saying the effects of CBD are like, quote, a warm bath melting the tensions away. This is how many are dealing with our age of anxiety. Eugene Peterson says prayer is leaving the world of anxieties and entering a God-centered world, a world filled with wonder, mystery, and God himself. The Psalms are the church's historical prayer book, the prayers that God has given to us to help us leave our world of anxiety and enter to a world dominated by the presence of God. Psalm 1 leads us this morning. In many ways, Psalm 1, it's the framework that all of the other psalms fall underneath of. Psalm 1 is contrasting a non-praying, anxious world versus a praying life, a life that's rooted in God. And the remaining 149 psalms are intended to cultivate our prayer life with God. So Psalm 1 is a contrast of two ways to live, the way of the wicked or the way of the righteous? And it asks this question, which way are you on? Which way are you on this morning? Now this psalm is not necessarily asking, are you a Christian or are you not a Christian? In many ways, the Bible asks that question everywhere. But this psalm is asking, which way are you being influenced by right now? Are you being influenced by the way of the wicked or by the way of the righteous. These two ways contrast one another, and so I want to highlight three things about the contrast. The contrasting delights, the contrasting images, and the contrasting destinies seen in these two ways of Psalm chapter 1. So if you will, look with me first at contrasting delights. Verse 1 starts, blessed is the man. Blessed means happy, fulfilled, is the person, verses 1 to 2, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight, her delight, is in the law of the Lord. Now, rather than describing some physical progression, which we might think of walking, standing, and sitting, the psalmist is giving us three aspects in which the way of the wicked is a departure from God. That the one on the way of the wicked is being influenced to depart from God in their thinking, counsel of the wicked, in their behaving, standing in the way of sinners, and in their belonging, sitting in the seat of scoffers. The way of the wicked influences a person to think, behave, and look for belonging in ways that are apart from God. Now, thinking and behaving apart from God 
I think it makes sense to many of us. But what does it mean to look for belonging apart from God? What's it, what does it mean to sit in the seat of scoffers? Now, C.S. Lewis says that the scoffer is a band wagoner. A band wagoner. So the scoffer wants nothing more than to be seen with the right people, to be part of the in crowd. Now, where have you heard this term bandwagon before? How do we use it most often? Sports, right? The bandwagon fan is somebody who cheers for whoever's winning. Now, my second son, Wells, is currently the epitome of the bandwagon fan. I mean, he hates to lose. He's ultra competitive, and deep down, I really like that. But he cannot cheer for a losing team. He will flip mid-game to whoever has the most points. I mean, seriously, we, we are huge Auburn fans, Auburn football. And if Auburn starts to lose a game, Wells will start cheering for Minnesota, like this past, past week. Or he'll start cheering for Alabama, which is anathema in our house, which means curse. Cursed is anyone who cheers for Alabama in my home. And he will start cheering for them. Bandwagon fans, they're the worst, aren't they? Flipping back and forth, always changing which team they're cheering for. The way of the wicked takes delight in being in, being part of the winning team, delighting in being considered better than others. Whereas the way of the righteous is a person who delights in the law of God, meditates on the law of God day and night. So if this is contrasting two ways, we could say that the person who's being influenced in the way of the wicked meditates day and night on whether they are in or out, whether they think they are better than others or not. And this word meditate is the Hebrew word for murmur, to mutter. It's used in Isaiah 31 to describe the sound that a lion makes over its prey, to murmur, to mutter over. So the one who's being influenced by the way of the wicked delights in murmurs over, devours, longs for, being with the crowd of their choosing that they deem as in or better than, which can be many crowds depending on who you are. Being in the in crowd could be being identified with those who are intellectual and you feel like you're the smartest. Or it could be being viewed as respected by others or tolerant or, or attractive or you're honored because you're a nice, good Christian, or you're applauded because you're successful in your work, or you're admired for your wealth. So is there any wonder why our life is filled with anxiety? Because so we're always measuring, we're always wondering, am I in or am I out? And the way of the righteous meditates on the law of God day and night like a lion over their prey. This person delights in, devours the Word of God. Now, that's not merely somebody who picks up the Bible and reads their passage for the day and then moves on, or even somebody who gets a commentary out and looks at historical background or the original languages. This is talking about someone who chews on, who feasts upon, who delights in the Word of God, because in the Word of God, they meet with the living God. Two different delights. The way of the wicked delights in being in. And this person, because of this, flips back and forth, wondering day in and day out, are they smart enough, respected enough, attractive enough, 
successful enough, nice enough, social justice-minded enough, wealthy enough. And this person deep down inside will never rest. This person is like a duck on the water. May even appear calm and successful and put together, but underneath the water, their feet, or rather our hearts, are moving frantically. Now you contrast this with the person who delights and meditates on God's word. This person finds stability and rest because in God's word, you encounter a God who declares what is true about ourselves, our world, and ultimately about God. In God's word, we meet a God who is true, faithful, and good. The person who stands over the word of God like a lion over its prey, hears God say, you're in. You're already in. My son came and lived a life you could never live died a death you deserved, rose victorious, and because of your faith in him, his righteousness, Jesus' righteousness is now yours. And the way I love him is the way I love you. You're in, and nothing will ever separate you from my love. And it's this gospel reality that will allow you to lay your head down at night and sleep well. God's bedrock truths will allow your heart and my heart which I know are up and down and back and forth in this anxious world, to fully and truly rest. So what is your delight? Do you delight in God's unchanging love toward you seen in Christ, revealed in his word? Or do you delight in a world that measures who you are based on if you're in or if you're out? The second thing that I want us to see about these two ways There's contrasting images, not just contrasting delights, but contrasting images. The person traveling the way of the righteous, verse 3, look with me, is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. We're given an image of a tree. When I was eight years old, uh, my dad, uh, who's not super handy, and I inherited that I'm not handy at all, so I hope my children never ask me to build a tree house. But my dad said he would do it because I wanted him to build us a tree house. And my friends and I in our neighborhood of Brittany II in Columbus, Georgia, played in that tree house every day. It was our world. No one else could come in. We felt secure. We felt safe. We never worried the tree would fall down. We are never concerned that the wind would blow it down and we would be knocked out. Even as an eight-year-old, I knew that the tree had deep roots, that we were stable, that we were secure. A tree is a person who's being influenced in the way of the righteous, deeply rooted, secure, and stable. And when the winds of adversity blow in this life, we remain secure. And, And hear me, you know this to be true in your own life, the winds of adversity will blow. Financial adversity classes and grades that stress you out, friendships that are struggling, marriages on the rocks, children that you don't know how to parent, deaths in the family, your own death even looming. The one who is on the path of righteousness will not be easily blown over as adversity comes, but will be rooted. It's the image we have in Psalm chapter 1. In December 2018, the Chinese government raided Early Rain Church in Chengdu, China, and took over 100 people into custody. This past week, maybe you saw this, but it was reported that the pastor of Early Rain Church 
Pastor Wang Yi was sentenced to nine years in prison for pastoring and spreading Christianity. I had the privilege of hearing Wang Yi talk to a group of about 30 of us in Hong Kong in 2017. And in 2017, I knew that this man walked with God and he was traveling the way of the righteous, that he was an oak of righteousness in many ways. 2018, upon being taken into custody, listen to his words that he wrote. He said, separate me from my wife and children, ruin my reputation, destroy my life and my family. The authorities are capable of doing all of these things. However, no one in this world can force me to renounce my faith. No one can make me change my life, and no one can raise me from the dead. That's a tree. One who is rooted in the promises of God, planted in the love of God, one who is secure no matter the winds of adversity, no matter the changing circumstances. This tree in verse 3, it's located in a, in a particular place. It's located by streams of water. Its roots are tapping into this river and therefore receiving nourishment for growth. It's producing fruit and its leaf doesn't wither. This tree has resources that helps produce fruit question for us is what are the resources that God's given us so that we might tap into to bear fruit and grow as a Christian? I already mentioned one, God's Word, right? the revelation of God himself in the Scriptures. But we're not just given the Word of God by itself as a resource. We are also given the Spirit of God. And the Word of God and the Spirit of God always go together. You know, the Word of God is living and active because the Holy Spirit is bringing it to life and bringing it to bear on our personal lives in personal ways. And I'm convinced that many people in our theological circles, myself included, must rely more and more on this third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. See, upon faith in Jesus, Romans 8, chapter 11, Paul says that the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives within you. Do you believe that? I mean, come on, let's be honest. Most of you, most of the time, myself included, can hardly fathom what that even means. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in you. That as Christians, we believe in a living God who is always at work in us and through us and despite us. Word and Spirit join together the two resources that we must be rooted in to be a tree that produces fruit. And contrast that with the image of chaff seen in verse 4. The wicked are not so, but they're like chaff that the wind drives away. A chaff was the light skin that was wrapped around grain. When you harvested it, you couldn't eat it, and so they got rid of it. The harvesters would crush the grain until the husk was loose, and then they'd toss it in the air with big pans, and the wind would come along and catch the, the lighter husk and the chaff and blow them away, while the heavier grain would fall back to the ground. Chaff is rootless and valueless. And the psalm is saying, when the winds of adversity blow on the one who is on the way of the wicked, they are tossed in every direction, blown about because there are no roots. That in times of adversity, this person is sent spinning, looking for something, anything to keep them stable. Success, power, love, family, an addiction. 
This person is sent looking for something to give them value, approval, meaning. This way has no stability and only produces anxiety and unrest. The last thing I want to point out about the contrast of these two ways of Psalm 1 is the contrasting destinies we see in verse 6. Let me start with the destiny of those who are on the way of the wicked. Verse 6, the way of the wicked will perish. This word perish, it's used in two tenses in Psalm 1, present tense and future tense. Present tense, it it means that this way, if you travel this way, it will be frustrating in the moment. It will be futile. You will flip and flop, always looking for something to hold on to, never able to rest, always filled with anxiety. In the future tense, it's talking about the final judgment. And in that final judgment, there will be a declaration made from God of depart from me, for I never knew you. Because in this present life, you chose the way of departure from God. Contrast that with verse 6, where it says that the Lord knows the way of the righteous. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. To know is way more than just informed with knowledge. It, it, It means to deeply care for. The Lord cares deeply. The Lord identifies with those on the way of the righteous. There's a a classic children's book that we've read to our kids for years now called The Runaway Bunny. If you've read it before, it's not a complicated story. Uh, A little bunny who who wants to run away comes to his mom and tells her, I'm running away. And his mother says, well, if you run away, I'll run after you, for you're my little bunny. Well, if you run after me, he says, I'll become a fish in a trout stream, and I'll swim away from you. Well, if you become a fish in a trout stream, said the mother, I'll become a fisherman, and I'll fish for you. And the little bunny keeps coming up with things to be a rock, a bird, a sailboat. And the mother keeps coming up with how she will pursue him. I'll be a mountain climber, a tree to land on, the wind beneath your wings. No matter where the little bunny goes, the mother will always pursue him. That's what verse 6 means. No matter where we are, No matter what we're going through, God pursues us. He identifies with us. He knows us. He loves us so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, who can identify with every single one of us. See, Jesus stood at a crossroad and had the choice of two ways. He could have departed from his father as he laid prostrate praying in the garden of Gethsemane for the cup to pass, for the cross to be taken away. He could have belonged to to the in crowd. He could have displayed his power, exerted his influence, and been popular and successful. But instead, Jesus would go and die on a tree. For on that tree would come life for everyone who believes. And on that tree, tree, Jesus trusted the words of his Father and relied on the Spirit who was with him. So on that tree, the cross, where Jesus would bring radical change to the whole world Redemption and restoration of everything that is broken. So this morning, as 2020 begins, which way are you on? How are you being influenced? By the way of the wicked or by the way of the righteous? In the last two years, the American Psychiatric Association has reported significant increases of people with anxiety disorders. It's no wonder we live in an age of anxiety. And I'm not downplaying the need for prescription drugs. God uses those. I'm not downplaying the need for self-care, like eating well and exercising. God uses those as well. But I am saying this. 
that the main way we are to leave our anxious world and enter a God, Jesus-dominated world is through prayer and the Word of God by the power and presence of the Spirit of God. And it's in this way that we encounter a God who is faithful and true, who promises to never leave nor forsakes us, who promises to restore all that is broken. And it's when we trust Him that we will truly be able to rest. The old Robert Frost poem says, Two roads diverged in the yellow wood. And sorry I could not travel both, and be one traveler along I stood, and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth, then took the other as just as fair. This morning, the psalm gives us two roads to travel. Which one will you take this new year? Which one will you take this decade? And more importantly, which one will you travel for your lifetime? Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you would lead us. You are good and true and faithful. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come to wherever each of us really is this morning personally in our own anxieties and our own struggles and our own doubts and our own confusions and our own struggles and that you would lead us to look to you, to, to know you, to be known by you, to find our rest, our deep rest in you because Christ, you lived and died and rose, you're coming again and you know us, you love us deep, deep down into the depths of who we are. I pray that we would believe that to be true this morning more true than any news we might see or any fears that might be in our hearts and our minds. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.